Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. How many of you vacation is over? How many of you have yet to go on vacation? So my vacation is over, and we've been on vacation. We were away this past week, but it's awesome to be back. And uh, for those of you who um, have vacation yet to come, God bless you if you want a chaplain to go on vacation with you. <laughs> let me know. Hey, so listen, we are launching into a new sermon series this morning entitled The Table. And the idea is quite simple. The idea is, is that we will look in the Newer Testament at table talks that Jesus has with different groups of people. What's pretty cool is if you look at the Gospels, you will discover that there are times where Jesus literally sits and has a meal. There's banquets that are thrown for Jesus where he's the person of honor. And you've got these individuals in a room with food and hospitality. And we kind of get the bird's eye view and we get to be the fly on the wall as to what happens at the table with Jesus. Now, I don't know if you are like I am, but I love to sit at a table that's well set. My wife is someone who hospitality oozes out of her. And if people come to our home, she always has to set the table. The bummer is you have to get the house clean first. <laughs> Anyone ever go through that? Clean the house, clean the house. I go, I don't really care. The house is clean. We'll just like lock all the doors and they can just stay in this one room, right? But Franny's right, but what she loves to do is she loves to set the table, and she has these uh, favorite candle holders that are made out of bamboo, and they always have to be there with candles lit and place settings, and everything looks awesome. And the reason why is when you walk into a home and the table is set, you know someone's been expecting you. They've been planning on you coming, and there's just something warm and inviting. Am I right? It just does something to you when you step in to an environment like that. Well, what we're going to discover over the next several weeks is that there are environments like that at tables with Jesus. And I don't know why it is, but if you take Jesus, some people, some food, and a table, something happens. I don't know why that is, but it's true. This uh, past July, my wife and I were at a wedding in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Fran's full-blood Italian. And so we went to one of her cousin's weddings. And by the way, if you've never been to an Italian wedding, whatever you're doing on that weekend, cancel it and go. It's just the best. So we go to the, uh, Atlantic City and we're at this Italian wedding and I love this, and if you're an introvert, this is your worst nightmare, but I love this. It's where you go to a wedding, the wedding's over, it's hors d'oeuvre hour, and then you go to a board, and your name has a number, and you have to go sit at that table. It's an introvert's nightmare, right, where you're at table number seven, and you look over there, and 
people are already seated and you have to go up and sit down and all the introverts wish the food was there, but the food never comes for an hour, right? It's always a long stretch. And so Franny and I go to this table where I think we were at table number seven and I sit down and Fran's an extrovert. So she instantly engages the people to the left. And then there's this couple to the right. And I sat down and I look at the guy and um, he essentially says, so what do you do? We already know as a pastor, I don't like to say what I do. And I said, dude, you first. And this guy talked for like 25 minutes. It was amazing. And here's why he's been at the Taj Mahal uh, Casino in Atlantic City and other casinos for 40 years. And all he's done, he said, Pete, have you ever looked up at a casino? You know, the top floor? And I go, okay, top floor. He said, that's where the rich and famous go. And that's where I work. And he has spent over 40 years on the top floor of casinos, making rich people feel welcome. And he said, I have met so many famous people. And it was just amazing. He was the consummate people person. So he was telling me for like 20 minutes what he does. And it was incredible. And this guy's just a people person. And then I turned to his wife and I said, what do you do? And she said, I'm an accountant. And said nothing else. Like total crickets, right? He loves what he does. She hates what she does. That's why you never ask someone what they do. You always ask them where they're from. That's better. So about at that moment, and by the way, he's worked in a casino and he was using the adjectives that you can't use in church to describe his job. Do you get the picture? So we're sitting there, and he's sitting off to my right with his wife, and you know, then he kind of says, so what? And about at that moment, the, 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 mater, the person, the MC for the, the, the whole wedding comes over, and he goes, hey, Pete, you have to get up here and pray. So I take the mic, I get center stage on the dance floor, and I always do the same thing. I say, listen, we're going to pray a blessing over the couple, the food, but I want to pray a blessing over everyone who's come with someone that you're in relationship with that you love. And so what I'm going to ask that everyone would do here in the ballroom is stand, hold hands with that person you love, and I want to pray a blessing over you too. And so I do that, and then I go and I sit down, and that dude's looking straight ahead. He's like, how many times did I swear? And his wife leans over, and she had a tear in her eye, and she said, you have no clue how badly we needed that. When you take Jesus, some people, and some food at a table, stuff always happens. I don't know why it is, but it's true. And so what I want to talk about is this concept of table. But unbeknownst to me, I kind of had this sermon series all laid out, And I felt so convicted this week while we were on vacation that I was supposed to preach on a different idea of table. And so while we were away, what I did was I did what's called a word search in the Bible for table. And I thought, where's the first place that table shows up? It's called the law of first mention when it comes to studying theology. And so I did that, and I discovered that table really didn't go that far back into the Older Testament, but a synonym for table in the Older Testament is the word altar. It's where someone takes a pile of stones, and they mount it up, and they make a table through which or at which they meet with God. It's called an altar. 
And so when I remembered that, I kind of did the search for altar. And what I discovered was, was that the first mention of altar in the Bible was when Noah comes out of the ark and makes a sacrifice to God. The second mention of altar, a table built to have a sit down with God, was Abram, later to become Abraham. And as I looked at his life, I was very drawn by God to preach on the idea of you and I having an altar in our lives, a place where we do business with God. And so what I discovered in Scripture as I thought about Abram and read the text about the four altars that he made, we're only going to look at the first one for the sake of time. But what I discovered in Scripture about Abram was reminded again was that James 2.23 tells us that Abram was a friend of God. It's very fascinating. The text tells us and the Scripture was fulfilled that says Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. The only person in all the Bible that's ever called God's friend. It's fascinating. Isaiah 41.8 says the same thing. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, your descendants of Abraham, my friend. There was something about what Abram does, and I believe it has to do with the altar, that he becomes a friend of God. It's like when you sit down with a friend at Starbucks over a table. Well, again, I've already mentioned that Abram builds four altars. We're only going to look at one. But here's what's important to know, is that we're getting ready to read in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, theologically and relationally, there's a quantum shift from God towards people. And here's what's important to know. God goes from chapter 11 dealing with the Tower of Babel and all humankind at once to where in Genesis 12, God calls one man. And God goes from the Tower of Babel dealing with everyone in all of humanity where he chooses one individual and has a personal relationship with that one person. It's a big shift. And so in Genesis 12, 1, we're gonna read verses one through eight. We're gonna read the story of when God calls Abram to walk with him. He later becomes Abraham. But here's what the text tells us, Genesis 12, 1 through 8. I'll read it out loud if you'll read it along with me on the screen. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. That always fascinates me. It's such a short little set of words. So Abram went. Can you imagine you're 75? We're going to read that in a moment. You're 75 years old. The trajectory of your life is set. Everything's familiar. You're chilling with your family. Every day's the same. You know what tomorrow's going to bring. And all of a sudden, God shows up, and you're 75 and says, you follow me. I want you to do that. And it says, Abram 
went. It's incredible. He says, God, let's do this thing. If you're calling me, I'm going to go. So reading on, and it says, so Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. I don't want to ask for a show of hands, because it's never polite to ask someone their age. But are you 75 or close to 75? Your life in God is not done, not even close. God shows up to him at 75 years old and says, Abram, you're the guy, let's go. And it says, and when he set out for Haran, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah, Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who'd appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So two altars are built by Abram in this one paragraph that we're reading. Now again, we're only gonna deal with the first altar. So I want us to think, here's Abram, he's 75 years old, and the world around him is going to change drastically. He's among the family, in the land, and the peoples that he knows, and God leads him 1,400 miles to a new place. That's a long way. And what he does each day is he gets up and God leads him and he has no clue where he's going. God literally said, you follow me and I will take you to a place and you're gonna know when you get there because I'll show you. So Abram follows God for 1,400 miles and God had called him to leave all the comfortable stuff behind, everything that was familiar his home, his parents, his culture, everything that gave him his identity. God says, leave that and follow me. And then the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land that I will show you. And then the Bible says that Abram suddenly has God appear to him and God says to him, you can stop now. This land right here, I will give to your offspring and it's going to be theirs. And the next thing that Abram does is, is he builds an altar. He builds an altar to the Lord. Now, I've asked myself the question, thinking about why does Abram build this table for God, this thing at which he's going to be meeting God. Why? And here are some thoughts that struck me that I think apply to my life and to yours. Why does Abram build an altar? Why does he do that? Because listen, there are other expressions that people have when God does something awesome in their lives in the Bible. Things like when Israel conquers Pharaoh in the, in the sea and the sea conquers all the charioteers, Basically, on the other side, the people don't build an altar. They dance a jig before the Lord. They sing a song. 
There's other times where people would respond with poetry or with a hymn. Sometimes the people of God just take a big pile of stones and go, there's a marker for where God did such and such, and whenever the kids walk by it, remind them. But here's what happens is, the Bible says that God spoke to Abram and said, after 1,400 miles, this is the land, and Abram's response is to build a stone table at which he will meet with God. Here's why, just prayerfully and thinking through practically, why I believe he did that. Here's why. First of all, the world around Abram has changed drastically. And in an ever-changing world, we need an environment and a space that remains the same at which we can meet with God. It's important. Now, picture Abram. He's 1,400 miles away from his culture. God has brought him to the land of Canaan. And in the land of Canaan, trust me, it smells different. It looks different. The hills are different. Everything has changed. And what does he do? When God speaks to him, he builds an altar. Now, here's what's fascinating. It never says he sacrifices anything. It never says that. It just says he makes or builds an altar for God, a table for God. That's all it says. Nothing about a sacrifice. He just makes an altar for the Lord. Another reason why I believe that he did that is because the text tells us that at that time, there were Canaanites in the land. Now, to us, you can read that quickly. But Canaanites were complete pagans, total heathens. And their mode of life and living is antithetical to everything God calls you to live, everything. As a matter of fact, their sacrificial system and how they lived, you can't even talk about it in church. And so all of a sudden, Abram finds himself in a weird place. Everything's changing, and the people around him are all pagans. And what's his response? God speaks to him and he builds a stone table at which he's going to meet with God. Why? I believe because Abram knows he desperately needs a place where he can go that is stable, it's consistent, and he can get there and speak to the God who speaks to him. It's important. Now, there's another reason, I believe, why the Bible records that Abram builds this idea of a table or this idea of an altar for the Lord. Here's why. I said earlier that what we discover in Genesis chapter 11 is that you've got the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is something that people had built. Now, what I want us to do very quickly is read Genesis 11, 1 through 4. And this is just before Abram builds the altar. Here's what the text tells us. Genesis 11, 1. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. 
As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves. So what they're doing is, as you read on, is that you discover that these individuals are building a tower. It's this massive structure, and they're doing it to make a name for themselves. Reading on, it says, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. So what you have in Genesis 11 is you have all the peoples of the earth who are building a tower to make their name great. That's how the whole world is living. The whole world is living for themselves and for the greatness of their own name. And then in Genesis 12, this guy named Abram shows up and he builds something. The next thing that's built in scripture is an altar to the Lord. He's not building something to make his name great. He has built something to make the name of God great. That's why he builds it. And listen, I don't need to tell you, but we live in a culture where every day people are trying to build something for themselves and to make their name great. And all of a sudden, you've got the example of Abram who he takes these stones and he builds an altar to the Lord and it's a table at which he will do business with God. Now, how do we put feet to our faith with this whole concept of building an altar for the Lord? Here's what I want to say. First of all, an altar is a place where you do serious business with God. If you read throughout the Older Testament, you would discover that when you build an altar and you meet with God there, God shows up and stuff happens. But the idea is, is we only come to the altar if we're going to be doing serious, sacrificial business with God. Now, I thought about some of the altars in my own life. I thought about them. I thought about a friend of mine. Their altar is to go walk on a farm. They've got permission to walk on a farm. And whenever they're going to do business with God, and whenever they're in that place where the world is just seemingly overwhelming, and they feel as though they just simply can't get their bearings, they go to take a walk on a farm, and they will walk as long as it takes until through prayer, that place of an altar, it's that consistent place, and they go there and seek God, and they don't exit the farm until the perspective that God wants to give them has blessed their life. It's what an altar's for. I know of another person, their altar is to take long drives in their car. So when they truly need to meet with God, by the way, they have small kids, so they get in the car and they drive and they pray and they speak to God and they put worship music on. But that's the environment in which they meet with God. What I'm gonna say next has nothing to do with how 
I want you to view me. But every night, my wife will tell you this, I kneel by the bed and I've made an altar by my bed for decades where I do not conclude the day without kneeling by my bed and speaking to the God who has created all that there is. Why? Because we live in a world, and this isn't derogatory, but we live in a world of pagans. We live in a world where people are building monoliths to themselves. We live in a world where people are trying to make their name great. And what God calls us to do is completely the opposite of that. When you live in the kingdom of God, you do not live for yourself, but you live for Jesus and you follow him and you plant yourself in his kingdom. And the prayer every day is thy will be done as it is in heaven, thy kingdom come through me wherever I'm at. And here what we see is Abram, he builds this altar to the Lord because he wants to do business with him. So an altar can look like any number of things. But I would say the most powerful altar I've ever had in my life is when I've knelt down at steps just like this at the front of a church. In the youth group where I really found Jesus, where I truly chose Jesus to be my king and stepped fully into the kingdom of God, in that youth group, We had all the games and all the fun and all the stuff that youth groups have. But at the end of every single youth service, our youth pastor would get up front and he would say, it's time to do business with God. And if you know, he would say this to the youth, if you know something's not right in your life or you know that you need to connect with God, what he'd say is, at the end of this service, I want you to come and kneel and pray, and he always called it the altar. It's a place where you do business with God, where you push the world away, you push all other stuff away, and you come to this stone table, and you kneel, and you bring yourself to God, just like Abram did all the way back in Genesis 12. And so what I found myself doing, more often than not, at the end of a youth service, is I would come and kneel at the altar and I would pray. And here's what I know. God always met me every single time I did that. Some of the greatest life change I have ever experienced has been when I knelt at the altar at the front of church and did business with God. I have knelt at an altar like this with my wife where together we have prayed about things and we've presented ourselves to God. I know that this is antithetical to the world, but there's something about building a table for God where you sit down and do business with him. Now, I was thinking about, can you imagine, let's move back to the Newer Testament and Jesus at a table. Can you imagine going to the banquet that was thrown for Jesus. You imagine what that must have been like. All these people are in the banquet hall. And you go in and you go to the number board and it says, your name, table seven. Well, that's Jesus's table because seven is the number of perfection. So you go to sit down and if I was sitting down there with Fran, I'd make her sit next to Jesus 
And I'd sit one chair away just to see how that played out. And if Jesus thought she was awesome, then I must be awesome because she's married to me. And I would kind of sit there and see how all of that played out. And then I would sit there and kind of listen to what Jesus had to say. And we're going to do that over the next five weeks. We're going to look at what Jesus had to say when he was sitting at tables with people. But you know, the reality of it is that idea of your name being on a board and there's a table set for you with Jesus is absolutely real. It's not fiction at all. There are times in our lives where we need to get to the altar and meet with Jesus. We have to do this because the world in which we live is separated from that reality. And God needs us to do this and to step towards him. The most profound time I ever came to the altar after a a youth service was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I remember so clearly coming to the altar and kneeling to pray. I don't even know what I came to kneel about. Actually, I think I was praying about college and which college should I head to and I had sent out some applications and stuff was being done and I came and knelt at that altar and I began to pray. About five minutes in, the definitive call of God hit my life. It was unexplainable other than I had met with God at the altar and God spoke to the depths of my soul that similar to Abram, all the plans that I had and everything that was familiar and all the stuff that I thought I would do, God said, I want you to lay that down and follow me. Will you follow me? And God, through Jesus for 2,000 years, has met with people and asked the same question, will you follow me? Will you leave behind what's familiar? Will you leave behind what creates your identity? Will you leave behind all the stuff that you cling to? And that will you please take the journey with Abraham? But remember, Abraham's journey comes to an altar. It comes to a place in an environment where you sit with God. And it's there that God speaks to us and speaks promise and blessing and calling and strength and peace and joy and comfort in our lives. It's how this works. So as we conclude our service and the worship team returns, in closing, there's a verse that I want to read that involves the first altar that Abram made. It's Genesis chapter 13, verses 3 through 4. Here's what the text says about Abram. Chapter 12 is where he was called and made the altar. Genesis 13, 3 through 4 says this. From the Negev, he, meaning Abram, went from from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had built the first altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. What's fascinating to note is that Abram didn't go to the altar just once. We see actually that Abram's done some traveling. And now in chapter 13, he comes back to where that original altar was built. And the scripture tells us that when Abram got to that altar, he called on the name of the Lord. No one really knows in entirety what that means to call on God's name. But what I believe is 
It's where we focus on God and do business with him. Where everything else goes off to the side and I present myself to the Lord. And I get before God at that altar and I say, God, here I am. I can't do this without you. God, I'm here to listen and to have you speak into my life. God, here's this altar and here am I. God, may you speak to me and meet me at the altar. Let's stand together as we close. As we conclude our time, I'm going to ask that all of us would close our eyes in God's presence. I know this isn't like the normal ending that we have at services here at City. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're worshiping with us online. But I would like to conclude our service this morning, again, whether you're at home worshiping or you're here in this sanctuary, that we would take the time to step before an altar with God. After I say the pastoral blessing, you may just want to sit where you're at and make an altar. Or you may be feel compelled by God that you're to come forward and kneel at this altar up front. That you know that it's time that you do business with God. That you would do the serious business with God where you bring yourself to the altar and offer who you are to him and listen to his voice and listen to him speak to who you are in Christ. And so now, may the Lord bless you In the land of the Canaanites, may he turn his face towards you. God, I pray in the midst of that, as you turn your countenance towards us, you would give us your grace, your shalom, and your peace. And I pray through each one of us, your kingdom would come and your will would be done here in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. And God, like Abram, I pray that we would build a table where we would do business with you. We would visit that table often. God, speak to your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Christ's name. Amen and amen.